Join us and Neighborhood Cats for all you need to know about Trap New to Return, TNR, and Colony Management. You'll learn the basics and walk away with the tools you need to be successful in helping outdoor cats. Workshops are typically held the first Saturday of the month. Registrants will have the opportunity to earn a certificate. For more information and to register today, go to communitycatspodcast.com. You've tuned in to the Community Cats Podcast. Ready? Let's go. Welcome to the Community Cats Podcast. I am your host, Stacey LeBaron, and I've been involved helping homeless cats for over 20 years with the Merrimack River Feline Rescue Society. The goal of this podcast is to expose you to amazing people who are improving the lives of cats. I hope these interviews will help you learn how you can turn your passion for cats into action. Today, we're speaking with Esmeralda Alvarez. Esmeralda TNR'd her first colony in 2015 before she even knew it was called TNR before she knew about cat traps and TNR clinics like Fix Nation. But Esmeralda really started TNR full force in 2018. She TNRs once a week. In addition to TNR, she fosters kitties and friendly strays from the colonies she has TNR'd. She fully vets them and then places them up for adoption. Additionally, she helps low-income colony caretakers who struggle to feed their colonies. TNR is Esmeralda's love letter to her community to both community cats and humans. She considers TNR a social justice issue. She hopes her work and advocacy help draw the parallels in the systemic injustices to animals and to humans. Esmeralda, I'd like to welcome you to the show. Thank you so much for having me, Stacey. I'm very honored to be on this show, to be able to have an opportunity to talk about not just my advocacy efforts, but to represent community cats as well as the communities where they live. Excellent. Excellent. So I understand you you really, you got the passion uh, for TNR around 2015, but before that, were you passionate about cats? Before that, I actually did not know much about cats. I didn't grow up with cats. I grew up thinking I was a dog person. And then all of a sudden, a friendly stray literally showed up at my apartment door and I opened it. And within the first few seconds of interacting with the cat, I was like, holy moly, I am a cat person. So this is why like all of this started to just make sense and click. But yeah, I did not grow up with cats. I did not interact with cats until my first rescue, which that cat became my first rescue. I had no idea about networking. I had no idea there was an amazing supportive cat community that, you know, advocates for animals, networks for animals, none of that. And so that was my first experience with cats. So how did you learn about TNR? Did you find a volunteer in the neighborhood or, you know, how did you, most people don't get immediately introduced to TNR. I, I was in the work that I did in Massachusetts back in the 1990s, but many people, that's not their first exposure in how to deal with community cats. What was your first approach? Right. Well, like I said, having known nothing about cats or, or anything about a cat community, cat advocacy groups, I didn't know what TNR was. And I, and I always tell this, this to people, and I find it really funny now, um, that I started doing TNR before I knew what TNR was. 
And how I got started is I was walking my brother's dog down the block and I saw a group of cats um, in one of the apartment complexes down the block. And it was just like a handful, uh, maybe like five adult cats. And then I saw kittens. And I remember just looking at them and I'm like, I want to help them. I don't know how. I know that I don't want more kittens because this is going to grow. So I need to somehow get these cats that are not human friendly to my vet. So I kind of just, like I said, I didn't know that there were was such a thing as human cat traps, anything like that. So I would just like MacGyver like things with like clothes hamper or like those clear bin containers. And I would just like slowly like creep up on the cat, like behind them and then like just drop the container on them. And then I was like a crazy person, like walking really quickly from like the end of the block to my apartment with like a cat in either like a hamper or like a clear container. And then I would just put them like transfer them to like a carrier and then take them to my personal vet, like one cat at a time. And then the kitties, I'm like, okay, well, the kitties are little and yeah, they're not so human friendly, but I think I can somehow like make them more social. So then I started doing that. And then of course, once I did that colony, I started to see cats everywhere. And I was like, oh boy. So how am I going to start doing this? Because one thing is to be able to do this by yourself at a private vet, if it's just like a very small colony of like, you know, five cats and kittens versus colonies that are, you know, 20, 50 cat colonies. So I was like, I'm going to Google. And then once I started Googling, I'm like, oh, okay. It's called TNR. That's amazing. And then there are clinics and then there are Facebook groups. And then I got really excited that it wasn't just going to be one cat at a time that I can do this on a bigger scale. And that's how it got started. So it grew in scale. So you started with a one, one colony and then you became an active trapper or or do you consider yourself more of a rescuer than, than an act a TNR trapper? I consider myself a TNR trapper first and then a cat rescuer second. I mean, although TNR to me is the best way to cat rescue, and I feel like it's like the missing component that a lot of cat rescues, um, I I don't think intentionally do so, but that is missing in a lot of cat rescues. Um, I think the best way to rescue the most cats is through TNR. Yes, you can take in like a litter of kittens, but spay neutering a feral cat and TNRing them will obviously generations and generations of life saved as opposed to just what you immediately see in front of you. So I do consider myself a TNR trapper first, but to me, that is the biggest component of cat rescue. When I talk with a lot of folks that are out there assisting groups of cats, making decisions to return, to not return, you know, to spay neuter, to, you know, trap. Some people will want to test an injured cat or an injured cat's brought in and recovered. And is it too long to return the cat back? There's just so many different choices an individual feral cat trapper has to be faced with. When you make those choices, do you ever doubt yourself or do you feel pretty confident in what your outcomes are for the cats that you, you're involved with? I feel extremely confident in the decisions that I make. And I think 
it's largely because I always approach it as what is best for the cat. Like I try really hard to divorce myself from my feelings in terms of like my attachment to the cats, what I ideally in an ideal world would want for this cat is like, no, I, this is not about my feelings. This is not about what would make me feel better. This is what's, what is best for the cat? What is this cat trying to communicate to me is, will this cat be happier outside in their community and back in their colony? Or will this cat be happier to try to socialize and be indoors? I think it becomes, decisions become complicated once we start to prioritize our feelings. And I know it's hard not to, because obviously we're all in cat rescue because we care incredibly much for these animals. I I always advise new trappers, new cat rescuers, like you have to strip everything away. Like what is best for the cat? If it's a feral cat, it will always be best to return them back to their colony and just make sure that their colony has the resources to be fed, that you have always maintained clear communication with the colony caretaker. If that cat ever needs additional vetting, if that cat ever needs anything for them to be able to know that they can reach out to you and communicate with you. Obviously, like if it's a kitten or friendly stray, the best thing for them is to be kept indoors, to be networked, to be fully vetted. Obviously, if it's an injured cat, we want to give them, even if it's a feral cat, we want to give them the best care possible. But if they are miserable being indoors, it's best to return them. And I always tell people, just listen to what the cat has to say and try to the best of your ability to remove what you, your, your personal feelings about it because that's the only way that you're going to truly be able to advocate for animals to prioritize them over your feelings. Before we, um, we started the recording, we were talking about how you really feel strongly this is a social justice issue. Can you expand on why you think that the work that you're doing with Community Cats is a social justice issue and why do you feel like you're wearing an advocate's hat more than anything else really? Absolutely. I, to me, this is social justice issues. And I always ask people to ask the question, where do you see these cat colonies? Where, I mean, you don't see them in affluent communities. You see them in low-income communities of color with mixed immigration statuses. And these communities are the most underserved in many ways, but including an access to spay neuter for their own companion animals and definitely an access to TNR for community cats. It's just, just like they are underserved in many other ways, they are underserved in having the access to spay neuter to TNR. Most people in these communities, which are the communities that I TNR in, they have no idea what TNR is. They have no idea that Um, There's a voucher system for their own companion animals. They have no idea how to access. There's like a lack of information. There's a lack of just um, resources made available to them. And even if there are are like blanketed approaches as like, oh, well, there's a voucher system. It's like, well, what good is that if there's no communication to community members that there are resources available and that they do qualify for them? And so 
it is a social justice issue as well as pricing, right? Like if you live in a, no, a low income uh, community and you're struggling to put food on your table, to make ends meet, to make rent, how are you gonna be able to afford a $500 spay neuter procedure for your companion animal at a private vet? It's just not feasible. And it's not because these people don't love their animals. They do. They love them very fiercely. They're very protective of their colonies and who comes in and what their intent is. I see it time and time again during my interactions with them. So it's not that they don't care. And I feel like a lot of times that is placed on them. And it's like, well, they if they really cared about their cats or if they really cared about their animals, like they would just do the right thing. And it's like, well, it's not that simple. Like nothing in this society is that black and white, that simple. Like there's so many components to consider. And that's why as catchy as like, you know, spay neuter your pet or spay neuter your effing pet, like is as popular. It's just really not that simple. Like it, yes, of course, I'm not stripping away that people who have companion animals should have personal responsibility. I'm not saying they shouldn't, of course they should, but I also want people to see that it's beyond that. Like it's, they are part of a system and it's not as simple as like, yes, I'm just going to go take my companion animal to be fixed. Even with low cost spay neuter clinics that are few and far between the wait list is months out. Like I, some people, for example, for the voucher system, because a lot of people I know will argue back like, well, the city of LA has a voucher system. So that should make like my argument points invalid, but it's really not. I mean, what do you tell people who don't have internet access, who don't have a computer, who don't speak the language, like who go to our shelter systems in person to ask about this information and get turned away and say, oh no, that's done, that's done online. Who say, well, maybe I don't, if you don't have online call and they're on the phone being redirected for over an hour, because we have personally called and tried those systems out ourselves to see what the barriers are. So, I mean, we can't blame the community for them feeling discouraged, defeated, and then just do the best they can, which is feed their animals and their community animals with. And it's really sad because then they, they get demonized for it. Right. And there, there are definitely a range of other, other barriers too. Um, you know, some clinics are only open Monday through Friday and that's when everybody's working. Another one is that the, the owner of the cat has to be the one bringing the cat in. Um, so there's a real direct relationship with the veterinarian so that you can't get a, a relative who has a car or something or a friend who has a car to bring the, the cat in, you know, to the vet. So if you don't have a car, you're in big trouble too. So there are just so many different scenarios where it's really challenging to be able to get access to vet care uh, and the spay-neuter appointments. And I truly, I do believe spay-neuter is the first step to success in the community. There are a lot of wellness wagons that go in and do vaccines and all that kind of stuff, which is great and wonderful. But um, I feel that our veterinary resources are so slim these days that if possible, it should be all hands on deck and everybody should be doing spays and neuters, neuters, neuters. Let's do neuters as many as neuters as possible. It is not a hard procedure. 
So such a simple procedure, so simple and really cost effective if you think about the alternatives, right? Yeah. So if we just do a neuter blitz all the time with rabies vaccines and, you know, so we've got the public health component taken care of there, neuter, 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 that would make an incredible impact right there. And so I feel very strongly that we are at a point nationally where we do need to prioritize and strategize how we're approaching our, our communities and getting, getting everything done. Now, the work that you do in L.A., actually, you are part of a movie and a, a film that has come out or is coming out. And can you share a little bit of detail about that movie? Yes. So it's a documentary that was filmed in 2019. And it's finally out for the public. It's currently streaming. It's called Crazy Cat Lady and in quotations, because it's meant, obviously, if you see the film, you know that the director and producer is trying to debunk the idea of this stereotypical Crazy Cat Lady. It's a very diverse individuals in it, uh, myself included. So it's this particular documentary centers on feral cat crisis in LA County, which is, there are approximately 3 million feral cats in the U.S. and 3 million feral cats in the city of LA alone in LA, Los Angeles County. And that's a low estimate. So 3 million feral cats in Los Angeles County. And we have been dealing with an injunction uh, for the past 13 years which means that the city is prohibited from taking any action to help feral cats. They can't even, during the injunction, which has been overturned uh, for the past year, since 2009, with the city, when the city of LA got sued by bird advocacy groups, the city of LA has been unable to do anything to mitigate this. So they can't even mention the word TNR in their buildings. So everything has truly fallen on hands on the hands of volunteers who saw this problem and wanted a solution with basically no resources from the government. So it's a unique situa- situation. Like I, I know there are there is a cat of overpopulation in the U.S. entirely big overpopulations, for example, in New York, in Chicago, like big cities, but nothing compared. To Los Angeles County and nothing unaided as Los Angeles County. And even now that the injunction has been overturned for a year, the city's still doing nothing. So what is the excuse now? Right. So it's just incredibly frustrating because if, you know, for 12 years, the excuse was, well, it's an injunction and we can't do anything because the court has ordered a cease action on us helping feral cats. What's the excuse now? Why are we not seeing spay-neuter clinics in every city shelter? Why are we not seeing an effort? It's just incredibly frustrating. It's still falling in the hands of volunteers, which, of course, we're happy to do so. We are fierce animal advocates, fierce cat advocates, and we're happy to help. But like, if we take a step back, this shouldn't even be falling on us. Like, This should be handled by the city of LA and our tax dollars that go into providing these services and they're not like we shouldn't be the only ones trying to mitigate this crisis 
team, Dubert, is at it again, and now they have an amazing companion case management module that once again revolutionizes how you rescue animals. Dubert partnered with Dallas Pets Alive and the Spay-Neuter Network to build a powerful solution that allows you to manage cases of any kind. Whether owner surrender calls or emails, community cat tracking and reporting, Dubert is the only system that integrates two-way text messaging, automatic follow-ups, and even a rehoming solution that every organization can use. No more trying to manage 10 different technologies when everything is all in one place and tightly integrated. From fostering to transport, fundraising to e-commerce, supply and demand to case management, Dubert has everything you need to streamline your operations so you can focus on saving more animals. Check out the new companion case management module at www.dubert.com ccm and get signed up today. Ever wanted to quickly connect, collaborate, or problem solve with others in the animal welfare field who are, you know, real people? Look no further than Maddie's Pet Forum. Maddie's Pet Forum brings people of animal welfare together with the common goal to keep more people and pets together. We share ideas, expertise, offer each other support, resources, and more. Visit forum.maddiespetforum.org slash cats. Maddie's Pet Forum. Come for an answer. Stay for the community. I mean, one thing many folks know that I, I'm a huge fan of, I've got what's called a community cat pyramid. And it sort of talks about the different layers of, of assistance and, and at what scale we should be providing assistance to, to cats in our communities. And at the bottom of the pyramid, it's all about you know, very low cost or free spay and neuter for owned cats um, in targeted communities. And you know, the more successful you are on that base level, the narrower your TNR slit becomes. And so, as you say, we shouldn't be having to deal with the, the TNR component of things. Well, if you are getting your whole population of cats, my Adam and Eve, I always talk about, it always starts with Adam and Eve, right? And, you know, make sure that Adam and Eve are spayed and neutered before they meet out on the streets, Right. And that's what's going to solve all of our, our drama and trauma, having lots of kittens out there, drama, trauma, death, all that type of stuff. So as long as there's really aggressive availability for spay neuter, that's ideal. Unfortunately, it looks like we're facing a very significant uh, veterinary shortage here. You know, as you say, appointments are hard to come by. It would be great to know strategically that, you know, LA would want to have spay-neuter clinics, increase their spay-neuter capacity. But I also know there's a lot of municipal spay-neuter clinics that have not been able to get veterinarians, technicians hired. Um, I really think we are in a really challenging spot because of this limitation, um, because I think we know what we could or should be doing, but I think our labor resources may not be there, even with funding, even with the money, even if we could pay, you know, $130,000 a year for a veterinarian, we still might not be able to find them. But it would be nice to know if there's an intention there. But I think that there's a lot more challenges now than there were five or seven years ago. Definitely. That's a really good point. Of course, like, like anything, it's a lot of um, components at play. There is a, a yeah. shortage, of course. I think it would mean a lot to know that there is intent mm-hmm. yeah. in yeah. solving a situation. Have any of the uh, surrounding counties been able to sort of help with maybe motivating any action within LA, 
center or is it, is you're just, they're just saying, okay, this part is done and we're focusing on other issues. It's, it's, it's not even on their radar at this point. Yeah. Unfortunately, at least to my knowledge, it's not even on their radar. Uh, We have seen other counties do this incredibly successfully, like successfully out of state places as well. Um, So much so that then they, they want kitties, they want cats, and then we're able to send them out to those states. But no one, I don't think anyone, to my knowledge, is, in, is interacting in that way. I hope I'm wrong, and I hope that they are. So the, the purpose of this documentary is to bring attention to the situation here um, and to make people aware of the, the challenges. You know, if you were looking forward at the community cat situation and your work in LA, what does life look like three to five years down the line for you and for the cats that you're trying to help? If everything goes as it's supposed to go, which hopefully within the next, you know, three to five years, the city is able to fund spay neuter, do intense TNR. It's going to look a lot better euthanasia rates are going to drop in city shelters. There's going to be all the cats and and kitties that don't get counted that die on the street. Hopefully that will significantly drop as well. Obviously we know TNR works. We've seen it time and time again, even with a small colony, like colonies that I've TNR back in 2018 still have seen no kitties since then. Like TNR works, it has gradually decreased. So we just need that on a bigger scale. I would also like to see, aside from, you know, city shelters, I would also like to see uh, organizations that are not affiliated with the government also put out their own uh, spay-neuter clinics, uh, TNR clinics, uh, big orgs that hopefully have enough funding to, if we do have a shortage here, maybe be able to Um, approach vet clinics, approach vet students that are willing to do their, the hours that they need to be done, but doing it through spay neuter and TNR. Just, I optimistically see three years, five years from now for the situation to be a lot better and for cat rescue focus to shift a little bit uh, with enough uh, education and intensive TNR and spay neuter. Um, Worst case scenario, we're still in the same boat, but even if it's worst case scenario, it doesn't mean we stop. It means we just have to keep pushing harder and advocating um, more loudly. Um, Esmeralda, if uh, folks are interested in finding out about the movie or any of the resources that you have, how would they find you or find out more about the movie? Well, I would direct them to our Instagram page, uh, which is for the documentary, it's Crazy Cat Lady Doc. And if they don't have social media, they can go to crazycatladyfilm.com. And in terms of me and my work in TNR and Cat Rescue, my Instagram handle is the TNR Girl. And it's the same for TikTok. Um, so I would direct them there. We try really hard both the documentary page and my page as well to put out as much knowledge as possible, Um, not just highlight what we're doing, but put out information for people who want to get involved in their communities and do it themselves.
And are you uh, a nonprofit or do you do this as an individual? I do this as an individual, but we are in the process of filing myself and Drew, who's also in the documentary. We want to co um, <laughs> like co-start a nonprofit uh, specific that's gonna it's gonna be for community cats, but as well for uh, the community as well. So our plan is to have low cost bay neuter clinics as well as TNR clinics, as well as pet food pantries and human food pantries as well. That's our very ambitious plan. Uh, we will of course start small, uh, focusing on maybe in a particular zip code and then grow out as we establish and troubleshoot our models of what works and what doesn't. But yes, we actually, we're in, in the process of filing. We sent out the filing email last week. So. Excellent. Well, congratulations. And um, here at the Community Cats podcast, we have the Community Cats grants programs for very small organizations. So, so always keep us in mind for that. Um, and is there anything else you'd like to share with our listeners today? I just to really take a look around their community and see how they can help. As a cat advocate, I yes, I want people to look around and see their community cats and want to help. But even if it's not in this particular area, if it's anything else to just, you know, keep their eyes and their hearts open and see how they can help. Any action is better than no action. And I really want them also to watch our documentary to learn more about what we've been talking about. I think uh, Garrett has done an amazing job in putting this documentary together. I think the individuals in the documentary are amazing human beings. And I, I would like, I'd love to see people see them and see how we each approach our communities differently and what we're each doing. And to know that there is nothing like extraordinary or special about us. We are humans. We were not born trappers. We were not born with any special ability. We just looked around, saw a need and took action to help. So everyone is capable of that. And my hope with the, anyone watching the documentary, anyone hearing this podcast, anyone that subscribes to your podcast and the amazing work you do is to know that they can act, that they have it in them already. Whatever it is that is required to change the world, it's in them already. That's great. Esmeralda, I want to thank you so much for being a guest on my show. And I hope we'll have you on again in the future. I would love that. Thank you so much for having me. This has been a true honor. Thank you so much. That's it for this week. Please head over to Apple Podcasts and leave a review. We love to hear what you think. And a five-star review really helps others find the show. You can also join the conversation with listeners, cat caretakers, and me on Facebook and Instagram. And don't forget to hit follow or subscribe on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, YouTube, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts so you don't miss a single show. Thanks for listening, and thank you for everything that you do to help create a safe and healthy world for cats. Bye.